Here's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light. Send the light. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, brother Michael Bolton. We're so glad that you've tuned in today. Our hope and our prayer is that we're able to help bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible has to say regarding those topics. If you're listening or if you're watching with us today and you live with us here in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive here in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible courses by mail. We also love studying the Bible with folks in person. We really, really do enjoy that. So feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook page or YouTube channel with the handle at cedarterracecoc, or the email address and phone numbers that show up on the screen or in the podcast notes. Brother Mike, what's on our agenda to talk about today? Matt, I'm thrilled to be here this today and, and talk about uh, do church names matter? Yep. What's what's in the name, basically? Correct. I'm really excited to talk about this. I think when it comes to um, our idea of religion and the foundations that we start to base our, our beliefs and doctrines on, I mean, it's got to start with, with the name. Right. It's one of the foundational principles of our identity. Mm-hmm. as Christians or as Christ followers. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll actually talk about that very yes. thing uh, in the lesson today. So uh, in our usual manner, why don't we start off with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Go Let's ahead. pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be here and to participate in this study. Again, we pray, Lord, that the things that we say and the thoughts that we try to develop will be understood and will be edifying to the body of Christ and convicting to those who are believers, but yet have to be added to the body. We pray, Father, that you will help us to direct our thoughts and to be careful of what we say, to make wise choices in the things and the words that we use to bring glory to your name. And Father, we pray always that you will help this uh, program and whatever work we may be doing in this area to bring glory to your name, first of all, and also to help others see the light and to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is kind of, to me, kind of exciting. This is our 10th episode together. Yeah, cool. So kind of cool. I mean, when you compare us to uh, other podcasts, that's laughable, but uh, I think it's it's kind of cool. You've got to start somewhere, brother. Yes, sir. It's uh, kind of it, kind of funny. It, this is the first time in two weeks that right. we we've been here. Uh, our last episode we recorded with Brother Tim Johnson at the church building. Uh, so we kind of got out of our usual, you know, with the the microphones and the mixer and everything that we have here. And then uh, let's see, the week before that, I was out of town, right. and so we had recorded right. prior to that. And so it's kind of interesting how even just over a couple of weeks, it kind of seems like you know got to get things dialed back in and step back on set back up and all that kind of stuff so we're talking about names today and the importance of you know really having an understanding that names matter i think that's really the first thing that that we have to really realize and have an understanding are answering the question like you said earlier do names matter what's your opinion on that 
I believe that names do matter. I believe that they are part of our identity. I'm a Christian. I'm an evangelist. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of the Bolton family. Um, my wife is a nurse. She is a BSN, RN. And, you know, these these things make a difference in identifying who we are, where we come from, our culture, our background, uh, perhaps even an impact in our thought patterns. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you just said. You know, we identify ourselves with names of people, professions, interests, you know, that's, that's right. like you said, that's how we identify ourselves. There's no shortage of places that you can find to worship today. Uh, many of those, most of those have different names. Right. When I think of, when I think of that, when we think about that, idea about how, how there's so many different churches almost in every single one of those churches is also a different set of doctrines different set of beliefs and uh, i want to start off as we as we consider names and the idea of names being important i think it's important to consider jesus's plea for unity and and just like i said each one of those groups has a different name, has a different set of beliefs, doctrines. And I just want to read Jesus's prayer to the Father in John 17. I just want to read verses 20 through 23 here. Jesus himself says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. When you look at those, even just those three verses, what do you do you notice anything about those three verses that's significant? I see that what Jesus prayed for and what we have in our world today are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, our doctrines are different. Our political structure within the organizations that we uh, claim to worship in are different. Worship patterns and styles are different. Sometimes these things are even different within those congregations. And my understanding of unity does not describe that. Mm-hmm. I think what you just said, you mentioned unity. Right. Ultimately, that's what Jesus is praying for here, praying for unity. He mentions several times here in this discourse here, just the, just even these three verses, one. I right. pray that they would be one. Right. Whenever we look at, I mean, in, in fact, we recently did. Um, we've got a an event coming up with Kevin Presley, who's from Dothan, Alabama. Which you will, uh, if you're tuning in with us, you'll start to hear us talk about that as we invite you to attend that. Um, if you do want information on it now, feel free to visit our Facebook page or website where that information's listed, or stay tuned in the coming episodes. Anyway, uh, one of the things we enjoy doing is we will send out um, uh, invitations to all the local churches in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls area, 
And so as we've been working on that, I guess this has really become, I've become a lot more passionate on this topic just as the result of, of that, you know, looking and seeing all the different belief systems. Mm -hmm. That's not unity, brother. That's not unity. And that scares me. Well, it should scare us when our fellow man is walking a different path uh, toward eternity mm -hmm. than what we are. You know, the line goes, um, two people can disagree about a thing. They can both be wrong, or one of them can be right. Mm -hmm. They're not both right if they disagree. And, you know... If there's something wrong in our life, in our worship, in our organization, we want to change. Mm -hmm. And we make the appeal consistently uh, to the Word of God as our pattern for authority. Correct. So we try to align ourselves with what the Word of God says. Mm -hmm. And that applies to the name that we wear or the name that we use, as well as many other things. So when you think about the name... And think about all the different names of these different organizations. I always believed that that had to start somewhere. That somewhere, when when these organizations, when these um, different denominations were were beginning, when they were when they were in their infancy, there was a meeting. There was a get together of one, two, five, ten, twenty people where they decided on the path for that right. group, you know, and what they, what their mission was going to be and what they were wanting to do. And somewhere along that line came the question of what will our name be? Different things, I think, influence that decision. I think that, uh, you know, as we've talked before, you know, what are, what are people going to know us as? What are people going to call us? Can we think of something catchy? Can we think of something that can be shortened down to a really easy acronym of some sort or, uh, you know, a play on words even? And, and I mean, I don't mean that um, sarcastically. It, there, right. there are groups out there that have uh, called themselves a certain thing based on a play on words. What will people know us as? But, but ultimately, you know, what's going to be catchy? What's going to be intriguing to the people? Where we attend, um, our, our congregation in Waterloo, which we believe to be a local congregation, uh, you know, a local group of a much bigger church that Jesus died for, um, we, don't, we don't think about those things. We don't name our congregation based on what's intriguing because right. we've not been given the authority to do that. And I, I hope that that's what people take away from this, is that God had intention on what the name of the church would be. It'll be interesting to see how the prophecy in the Old Testament comes into play in the, yeah. in the la later part in the study today. So as I said earlier, we have to first answer the question, do names matter? You know, so you've heard people say there's something in a name. You've heard people say there's nothing in a name. What's in a name? Right. And, and is it significant? I believe the Bible teaches us that there's something significant in a name. There's so much in a name that the Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter 5 that God himself decided on the name Adam. 
God uh, found it necessary to change Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah mm-hmm. in Genesis 17. And one of the more uh, prevalent passages that I, I like to use to prove this this idea that, that names matter is found in Genesis chapter 32, uh, where Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And the reason that I like this is because I think that, that it shows, it demonstrates significance. In verses 27 and 28, the Bible says, uh, So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Right there, he says, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel, and then what does he say? He says, for. What is that word for? for What's that? He gave a reason for the name change. He's showing their significance in that name. And so I think we have to be careful if we claim that names don't matter. What are we implying about God's wisdom and decision-making through these Examples. It seems to imply that God was just being careless or demonstrating his power for the sake of demonstrating his power. Correct. Not for any specific purpose. Yeah, and I believe that God has a purpose for everything right. he does. His His ways are higher than our ways. God is perfect and omniscient. You know, there's nothing that God does that does not have a point. So I think names do matter. And we see that also echoed in the New Testament as well. Uh, Paul condemns human and divisive names among the Lord's people in 1 Corinthians 1, 13 through 15. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. What does that teach us about the significance of names? Well, the Apostle Paul is right in that. And immediately before that, the first couple of sentences before that, he is um, rebuking the congregation at Corinth because they were were divided, not unified. They were not following Jesus' prayer in John 17. They were divided. Some were calling themselves after Apollos. Some were calling themselves after Peter. Some were calling themselves after Paul. Mm-hmm. And Paul continues his rebuke there and says, This has to stop. This has to stop. We are to be called after Christ. Mm-hmm. He is the one who died for us. I think that, uh, you know, we've talked in the past about, and I don't, we may get around to mentioning it today, um, the idea of disciples and how there were examples of other types of disciples in the in the Bible. And I wonder if you know there was there became a point where you were a disciple of Christ. You know, there was right. you were no longer a disciple of Moses, you were no longer a disciple of the Pharisees, you were no longer a disciple of John the Baptist. And so I wonder if that's what was going on here is that these people could not grasp that we are to only be disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, it seems people don't grasp it today either. That's a good point. Whenever you said that, my mind first went to the point of being a disciple of the preacher. Yes. Being a disciple of the pastor. I was 
early in my in my Christian walk, I was working closely with a couple of faithful preachers uh, who live south of us and works uh, in the in the area south of us, and a, a friend was visiting, holding a meeting, and we were sitting down having coffee, and the friend said that I was a disciple of one of these preachers, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I, I get what he was trying to say. I was I was a student. Mm-hmm. You know, they were mentoring me. And there's a lot that goes into that into that concept. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, if you look up the definition of disciple, it, it means a learner. That's right. So is that an inaccurate or untrue statement? You know, not if you want to look at it in in that sense. But I think it's important that we recognize even though you were learning from that brother mm-hmm. that preacher you were still a disciple of Jesus That's right he was showing you the way to do that and if I remember right the brother that was a mentor to me that was in the room at the time uh, kind of he fussed about it and <laughs> he didn't care for it Set for, straight. The, for the idea anyway yeah. either yes so we I think, and, and obviously this has been very brief, you know, we've been talking for about 15 minutes, but hopefully just in these few examples, we've, we've demonstrated, we've shown that names matter. So then I think next we have to ask the question, you know, did Jesus die for the church? Is the church, does Jesus have authority over the church? There are several verses that come to mind. The scriptures teach us that Jesus did die for the church. He shed his blood. He said, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. It's mm-hmm. his church. He purchased it with his own blood. The book of Acts tells us. We also have the idea that the church matters to him because he washed it and sanctified it. Mm-hmm. He set it apart. He called it out and we as members of the church are to be followers after him. Go ahead. Ephesians 5 was what I was thinking about. You know, know, when he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. You know, and so he, like what you said, you know, there's no doubt that, that he has authority. He, you know, absolutely loves the church. Uh, he loves the church. And then we have to consider, too, that in the Great Commission, understand when the Great Commission was given, after the resurrection, just a few days, perhaps even the day before, or maybe even just a few hours before he ascended back to the Father, he said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and in earth has been mm-hmm. given to me. Go ye make disciples. Um, so he has authority. He has authority in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think if we understand that, then it brings us to, you know, I, I know I've said it before, but, you know, it's a, a hard pill to swallow. But that pill is that churches named after anything but Jesus Christ are displeasing to God. What do you, what do you think about this, that statement? This, I agree. This 
example keeps coming to mind. As, as you know, I was raised in a denomination. That denomination uh, that I left when I obeyed the gospel was is called the Church of the Nazarene, and and um, I studied their history and the history of the Wesleyan Holiness movement in quite some depth. The Church of the Nazarene, as they were coming out of the uh, United Methodist or the Methodist Church at that time, um, they had several meetings to decide what they were called, mm-hmm. just like you were saying that you supposed people do. And they decided on one name, and then less than five years later, they decided to change that name because the name that they decided on uh, reflected something that was associated mm-hmm. with another movement. And so the name matters. Yep. The church never had any specific name in scripture. It's referred right. to by several things. Jesus, like you said, calls it my church in Matthew 16, 18. It's referred to as the church in Acts 8, verse 1. The church of God in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. The churches of Christ, Romans 16, 16. The body of Christ, Ephesians 4, verse 12. The church of the living God in 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. And church of the firstborn in Hebrews 12, verse 23. I want to notice each one of these passages reference the term church that's right the church i think that it's important to recognize that just because just because the place where people go may be called a church it is not the church the church that jesus died for is a church that follows his commands his teachings, his precepts, his ordinances. And many of the the denominations, the groups that we see today, they don't do that. And so I want, and this is important, I, I want to point out that just because, I, I don't want to illustrate that just because a church is called the Church of Christ, mm-hmm. that it's a a faithful congregation that's abiding in the doctrines of Christ, because you and I both know that's not true. That's right. There are many churches of Christ that they call themselves that name, or even Church of God. You know, Church of the Firstborn. You know, the, they may they may be scriptural in what they call the church, but they may not be the church as evidenced in how they practice or what they believe. I think what you're saying is we need to be careful when we are talking about the name church Mm -hmm. and all of these that you have listed here that you just read um, from the new Testament, every time that we see the word church there, it's showing a relationship. Correct. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, my church, Uh, it's called the church of God. First Corinthians one, two, uh, the churches of Christ salute you in Romans 16, 16. The church is the called out body. The relationship that is portrayed in that particular sentence is what's highlighted there. So the relationship is, it's my church, means Jesus owns mm-hmm. it. He purchased it. He bought it with his own precious blood. It's the church of Christ, meaning, like you were saying, it's the congregations that follow his principles and his precepts. 
The Church of Christ, and this is going to sound controversial when I first say it, the Church of Christ is the only church going to heaven. That's right. But just because a, a, a building may have the Church of Christ out front is not what makes it the Church of Christ. That's right. And so I think people have to separate people people have to separate how they view the church you know the church isn't where you go you know it's not a building the church is the people i remember my dad uh my dad used to use the illustration he would write out two circles and on one circle he would write world and another circle he would write church and you're in one or the other uh-huh. You're either in the church or you're in the world. How are we added to that church? You know, I think Acts 2 gives us That's right. the answer. What does he say in Acts 2? That the Lord added them to the church, Acts mm-hmm. verse 47. Correct. And so it's not a matter. It is important. It is significant how what we call the church, how we reference the church, the name of the church, names matter. But that is not all that it takes for a for a church Amen. to be recognized in scriptural, recognized by God in scriptural. That's right. The word church uh, comes from that Greek word ekklesia, um, which means an assembly and a, a group of called out people. And actually, not in the notes, just something I had read the other day. And I guess I I remembered learning this earlier and just kind of forgot or whatever. But uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer is called the preacher, right? Mm-hmm. And Ecclesiastes is actually the the name that it was given in the Septuagint, the Greek language, which comes from this word ecclesia, Ecclesiastes. And so now it makes more sense, you know, the audience he was writing to and, okay. and that kind of that thing. helps a lot. But uh but the Lord only has one group of called out people. And they're Christians. It sounds so simple. I mean, it does. Yes, <laughs> you're, you're right. Christians are members of his one blood-bought church. Now, this is also where people start to say that I'm being controversial when I start talking about his one church. Is the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ his one church? Do you have to be a member of the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ to go to heaven? I certainly hope not. It means a lot of people are lost. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's a misunderstanding. You know, the Bible illustrates the the church is in the, the body, but then it also makes reference to local assemblies, local bodies as well. Um, and so I do believe, and, and as you said earlier, I know you and I, and along with I can't think of anybody who would not invite this that that attends worship with us. I do believe that we worship correctly. I believe that we have scripture and we're happy to show that scripture right. and also demonstrate historical records of where where churches or congregations started to get away from the pattern. I believe we stick to that pattern. Because of that, we're labeled as old-fashioned sometimes. That's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. God, God ordained how he wanted to be worshipped. 
uh, as Brother Matt said on our podcast with the music and singing that we offer to God, what he allows, he regulates, you know? And so I think that goes to worship. He obviously allows worship, but it is regulated. Very much. We cannot worship God just any way that we want. If you don't believe me, ask Nadab and Abihu (laughs) how they think about it. That is a powerful example. Yes. You know, strange fires, what it was called. So, so yeah, I believe that we worship correctly. If there's an area of our worship that or practice or doctrine where maybe someone disagrees with, I know that we would ask them, you know, to please show us why we may be looking or considering that wrong. And we'll, we'll change. I, I just kind of had a view that I've had my whole life challenged this week by another brother and it would be easy for me to say like oh no no no, that's no you just got it wrong but you know i'm trying to be open-minded and i'm starting to realize i was looking at it wrong Mm -hmm. and so like i think you know we should we should strive to have that open-mindedness to where we recognize we're not perfect maybe there's things that we've misunderstood we have to be willing, but they're going to have to show a scripture. You know, that's if- right. This is our authority. It's also our own measuring rod. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't get everything right. So we need to be shown. We need someone to instruct us. Um, we want to instruct other people, but at the same time, we need to have that teachable spirit. That we hope other folks have. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very good point. So we've talked about the name of the church, why that's significant. But we also try to stay away from man-made titles within the church. Uh, we are called Christians. You, you'd said it sounds simple. How about the name Christian? That's just Christian. That's it. That's it. Uh, Acts 11, verse 26 uh, Christians are called the beloved of God, Romans 1, verse 7. Uh, 1, 1 verse seven. Uh, we're called brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. Sons of God, Romans 8, verse 14. Children of God, 1 John 3, verse 1. Heirs of God, Romans 8, verse 17. And a royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. This term Christian, you know, when we think of the word disciple, like I said, that word disciple is a noun that requires further uh, information on what you're a disciple of. Right. That word Christian is a proper noun, and it doesn't need it any of those alone. qualifying words to make the distinction clear. Yeah, it stands alone. The name of Christian expresses the saved person's relationship to God. Christian. So simple. Easy. But I think this implies that there are people who claim to be Christians who are not Christians. What do you think about that? I would agree. I was sitting here thinking the word Christian, a formal definition simply would be Christ like. Mm -hmm. And that covers our lifestyle the morality that comes with being a Christian that covers our worship style. God has regulated it through Christ. 
So we seek to know his will and his commands, and we do them. And that's what it means to be Christ-like or mm-hmm. to be a Christian. Absolutely. I was just thinking, when you think of the name Christian, you said, sounds simple. And it is. If you went to 10 people, you, you go to Walmart, you go to a store, gas station, whatever, and you went to 10 people and said, spiritually speaking, what do you call yourself? What are you? How many of those 10 people would say Christian versus a man-made title? What do you That's think? Right. Um, I would be surprised if one out of 10 uh, affirmed only Christian mm-hmm. on a regular basis. I, and I, would I think agree. we would find one, but it would be a rare exception. I don't think it would be even one out of 10. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, like people I work with and stuff, they'll say, Hey, like, where do you go to church? What, what are you? Right. What, uh, what the, faith the, are you? Yeah. Right? What denomination are you? That's what they're wanting to know. And I say, I'm a Christian. And they say, Is that, is that like Baptist or Methodist or? People don't understand it. It's, it's such a unusual concept in our society today mm-hmm. that it's not recognized. Correct. And you're, you're a Christian or you're not. Ultimately, there's no hyphenated Christians. I like to say that, (laughs) you know, there's there's no something Christian, um, insert whatever here. That's not a thing. So we have to keep in mind, people who are not Christians, just Christians, are not Christians. (laughs) I know that sounds redundant, but you are or you're not. There's no halfway. And like Paul said... You know, when he condemned those human and divisive names, and as we'll see here in a little bit, there's others that do as well. It, it's it's the name of Christ is all that matters. Right. And I, I said earlier, and it was like it was a joke, but it really is that simple. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. God has made it so plain and so simple that that's all we need to do is to be like Christ. Correct. To be a Christian. Strive to learn what his will for our life is, for our life and our worship. Some folks define the word Christian as someone who believes in Jesus Christ. Have you encountered that before? Yes. When I think about that, I think about the James 2 verse 19, uh, where he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. Does that mean that they're saved? I do not believe so. You should have seen that question coming. Yes. <laughs> yes. But no, it, it obviously doesn't. The demons right. are not saved. But yet they believe. They know. They absolutely know. In fact, some uh, I was reading one person that said that even these dem- these demons here have a belief in Christ that you and I won't understand on this earth. They understand Christ in a different way that we do. But yet, even still, with that deep belief or faith, they're still not saved. I heard a preacher, um, and I wish I could remember his sermon. I could at least give the points. But he talked uh, probably an hour about what the demons knew. Hmm. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he cast out demons uh, out of people who were demon-possessed, and he used... James 2.19 to kind of wrap his sermon up. I do remember that. And it was it was so amazing, the knowledge that the demons had. 
and have about who Jesus is much deeper than what we do. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, that seems to be an interesting study for sure. So when we talk about the name Christian, and you kind of alluded that we would get into this, uh, it is significant. That name is significant. We started our study today pointing out that the Bible shows that names are significant. Isaiah 62 verse 2 says, The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Oh, wait a minute. These people were God followers. Mm -hmm. They were God fearers. Not perfect. Judaism and and Israel were were very imperfect. Um, But they were God followers. Mm Mm-hmm. God had called them my people. They were his people. And Isaiah is prophesying, saying that they're going to be called something new, Mm -hmm. a new name. And I think this is kind of where we start to see some of the issues with like the Pharisees, the Judaizers, things like that, where they place so much faith in their lineage and the fact that they were a Jew. And I think that might be an aspect of, like the conversion, like like in Acts chapter 2, when all those Jews put off what they had known. Think about the prestige mm-hmm. that came with that lineage and, and being, being a Jew. And they were being told to, that doesn't, doesn't really matter much anymore. To be able to directly, uh, to point out direct relationship to David mm-hmm. was important for a Jew in those days. Yeah. So we're talking about Isaiah and he says, you will be called the Gentiles shall not see your righteousness and all Kings, your glory You shall be called a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will give that new name is the one point out that was prophesied would not be given until after the Gentiles were converted or, or saw the righteousness of God. In Acts chapter 10, we read of the conversion of the Gentiles, Cornelius, in his household. And then here's where we get to Acts 11, verse 26. The Bible here says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That was a new name. That's right. They were first called Christians in Antioch. What just happened? What prophecy was fulfilled in this passage? That, that prophecy from Isaiah 62. Correct. If that was not the new name that was to be given by Jehovah, then what is? That is the new name. Um, and after that, it was after the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, mm. that the name Christian came to mean something. Correct. It came to be an identifying characteristic. Yeah. And... and this is interesting when we go back to talking about like the hyphenated Christians mm-hmm. and the different name. Like if you ask 10 people what they are spiritually, what answer they would give back then you were a Christian or you weren't. That's right. You know, I mean, there were obviously other, you know, I'm, there were still people that claimed to be Jews following under old laws and, and people that refused to convert to Christianity but at this point, especially early on, there was there were no other options. You were a Christian or you weren't. 
Now we do see in the in the Bible, and this is also in the the letters to the churches in uh, in the Book of Revelation. Paul talks about in First Corinthians. You know, there were churches that started to fall away pretty early on. Right. But you were a Christian, or or you weren't. There were there were no other really any options, and I think that would have been uh, viewed pretty poorly back then well just judging from what paul said in first corinthians one mm -hmm. i would say poorly may be an understatement yeah in first peter 4 verse 16 the bible says yet if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in this matter that's the new king james version going to some of the other manuscript, the other translations from another very reputable manuscript, the ESV, the New American Standard and such. I prefer the way that they translated this passage. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. What name? The name Christian. Name of Christian. That, 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 that person is suffering under. So can we glorify God in the name of Christian while we wear the name of someone else? No. I don't believe so. We're glorifying so. someone else. If mm -hmm. we're wearing the name of Luther or Calvin or John Wesley. Exactly. Or... And that is hard. And I, I, I just want to take a minute and appreciate how difficult that is for people to hear. Because these are people who, just like these Jews, had a lineage they could trace back to David. Yes. There are people today that have a lineage of being called these different names that aren't Christian. And that is difficult when you think, man, this is, you know, my great-granddaddy, you know, was a Calvinist or, or Lutheran or, or whatever. You know, so I, I know that it's difficult to, to grasp that it's hard when you have a parent or a grandparent or an uncle that you're especially fond of or something like that who had given his whole life to a denomination very sacrificially given and then to reject that i i dealt with a man um, whose parents were uh, pentecostal and the thing that hung him up and held him out the longest before he obeyed the gospel was the idea that if I am baptized for the remission of my sins, it means I'm condemning my father. Mm -hmm. And his father and his uncles, both his father and his uncles, had been preachers in Pentecostal denominations. I had a relative that said that same, same thing. He said... Uh, talking to my dad if what you're saying is true then that means my daddy's in hell it's hard and i just remember you know what my dad said he said that's not for me to decide but if he is he doesn't want you there that's right and and i think that's what we see with the the rich man and lazarus in luke 16 uh he you know lazarus or i'm sorry the rich man had said uh I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let him hear them. 
And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Talk about an appeal for the authority of the scriptures. Amen. And we we see what he's talking about even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we see there's still people that, I mean, Jesus performed miracles. Right. And they still didn't believe him. They still crucified him. So there are obviously plenty of names that we could choose to be called uh, in this religiously diverse world that we live in. But in Acts 4, verse 12, the Bible says something I really want to really let, let sink in today. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Do names matter? There's no other name. There have been some influential leaders in the religious world who also recognize the importance of a name. Charles Spurgeon, one probably the most recognized Baptist preacher that's ever lived, said, I say of the Baptist name, let it perish, but let Christ's name last forever. I look forward with pleasure to the day where there will not be a Baptist living. I hope they will soon be gone. I hope the Baptist name will soon perish, but let Christ's name endure forever. That's in the Spurgeon Memorial Library, Volume 1, page 168. He's not saying he hopes ill of people who are Baptists. But this is Charles Spurgeon speaking. This is not Matt Tyson, a quote from Matt Tyson. But he's recognizing there is something in a name. Martin Luther, the Restorationist, said this regarding the Lutheran name. I pray you to leave my name alone and call yourselves not Lutherans, but Christians. Who is Luther? My doctrine is not mine. I've not been crucified for anyone. St. Paul would not let them, not let anyone call themselves after Paul or Peter, but only of Christ. How then does it benefit me, a miserable bag of dust and ashes, to give my name to the children of God? Cease, my dear friends, to cling to these party names and distinctions. Away with all, and let us call ourselves only Christians after him from whom our doctrine comes. It's a quote from Martin Luther, taken from the life of Luther by Stork, page 289. Some powerful statements, quotes. By powerful men in history. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I know this is not a new question on our show, but what if I attend a church that calls itself by maybe a name that's not bringing glory to God, a name that's not authorized by Scripture, a name that doesn't show the recognition that Christ owns the church where I attend? You know, Matt, thought about this throughout the the, uh, recording today. We live in a society that focuses heavily on its identification. And a lot of people are in great turmoil because they're confused about their identity on many different levels. And we've just presented some strong meat for some people about their identity in Christ. I would like to implore with everything that I am and everything that I have, each individual listener to search his or her own heart and life and doctrine, whether or not they're a teacher in their congregation or a leader, you don't need to feel 
that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. Forsake everything and follow Christ only. That's my appeal. It. Forsake everything mm-hmm. and follow only Christ. We talk about how we're willing to sacrifice for Christ. Yeah. But are we? Are we? What are we willing to give up for Christ? They did give up everything. The the apostles, mm-hmm. those that followed Jesus in the early mm-hmm. church. I mean, man, they they left their families, their jobs, their homes. They left everything. What are we willing to leave to follow Christ? Are we willing to leave a church that's full of good people, friends, family people that we love, but where we're starting to question, you know, I'm not I'm not really seeing this in scripture yeah. you know, are we willing to do that some hard questions that we have to think about they are hard and we have even though we believe that where we worship is scriptural and the way we worship is scriptural and everything we have to ask ourselves that too so that we don't find ourselves in the trap of traditionalism i i intend to hold myself to that same standard amen Well, if anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding the names of churches, salvation, worship, Christian living, or any other topic, please reach out to us. Uh, We'll be happy to try to answer those questions that you may have using the Bible as our authority. Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast, where we discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding these topics. If you're with us here uh, listening, watching, and you live in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you come visit with us. Uh, our services For our services, we meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send you. No charge, uh, no no commitment, nothing. Just Just find our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com you can find our youtube or facebook pages with the handles at cedarterracecoc or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes feel free to shoot us a text an email a phone call if you're interested in free bible studies um, where we can meet in person go have a cup of coffee sit we can chat about this we can chat about anything that you'd like to chat about so feel free to reach out to us i'm your host matt tyson here with my co-host brother michael bolton thanks for spending your time with us today and lord willing we'll see you next time god bless you